Welcome to Reveal, the Revenue Intelligence Podcast powered by Gong. We're your hosts, Devin Reed. And I'm Sheena Badani. Revenue intelligence is a new way of operating based on customer reality instead of opinions, making data-driven decisions based on facts instead of opinions or guesswork. And it's made up of three success pillars, people intelligence, deal intelligence, and market intelligence. You know, the things all revenue teams need and care about. Every week, we interview senior revenue professionals and share their stories and insights on how they leverage revenue intelligence to drive success and win their market. You'll hear how modern go-to-market teams win as a team, close revenue with critical deal insight, and execute their strategic initiatives, plus all the challenges that come along with it. Sheena, at the time of this recording Mm -hmm. on... Monday, today's Friday, in a couple days, we are going to have our marketing second half of the year kickoff. Which reminds me, I need to make my slides. <laughs> there's a pause. There's a pause there of like, I saw the wheels turning and then a light bulb clicked. And I think that's, that's what the light bulb might have been. So perfect. You're in the midst of it still. Uh, I'm curious. You know, I'm going to give you an option here. Option one, what is your favorite part of planning? Or... Yeah. B, what is your least favorite part of planning? Oh, I think my favorite part is um, kind of thinking about the potential um, Mm -hmm. of like, okay, kind of envisioning and imagining ourselves, our entire team, like where we're going to be six months down the road. Mm -hmm. And what helps me do that is by just doing kind of a, a look back at the last six months. And it's always just amazing. You know, sometimes we're just so wrapped up in the day to day. We're moving so fast. We don't take enough time to really just appreciate what we've been able to accomplish together. And so like taking a look at the kind of a look back and then I'm like, oh my God, we're going to do that and more in the next six months. So like just that possibility is what excites me the most. That is exciting. What could be, can be very exciting. Yeah. Yes. But I I didn't totally answer like the, (laughs) there's a lot of tough parts of planning. Um, I think- this, there's a lot of back and forth, um, kind of level setting, not just within the team, but with other teams, you know, you, you may put together a proposal and you get pushback from finance for here, from there. Those parts are not always as fun, but you, you work through it. Yeah. Yeah. That's where some grit comes in. Grit comes into play there. Um, well, we had a pro, another pro, you're a pro too, but we had another pro join us on the, uh, the show today, which was cool because he's the second person to join us for, from Compass. We've had Matt Rosenberg join, who is CRO at Compass. And then today we had Chris Aker, who's CSO, Chief Sales Officer. Uh, And fun fact, as you'll hear, as I'm quite playful with Chris uh, in this interview, I know Chris pretty well. We uh, worked together at Eventbrite. I sat right behind him. He knows my dog very well. They still text. Uh, So it was cool to hang out with Chris and hear how a company who just went public, how the head of sales goes about planning. Right. And it was cool because if, if you're listening to this and you're interested in getting, you know, it can be kind of it's like a high level overview of how you can be better at planning. But then he also gets really granular in ways to prep your team, to mobilize your team before you actually mobilize their teams, how you prepare them uh, and all the ins and outs of how he kind of goes about, you know, enablement and training. So aside from seeing a good friend again, it was cool to get, uh, you know, that deep into planning as we're doing it ourselves. Exactly. Good timing. Let's go hang out with Chris. All right, Chris, it is always a pleasure to hang out with you, to talk to you. So I appreciate you jumping on Reveal with us. 
No, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm excited to do this. And I know the world is getting in a better place because we've rescheduled a few times. Now, that's not to guilt yeah. you. It's, be, it's a good thing because you've been traveling again, which means mm -hmm. the world's opening up. You're, you're visiting, hopefully, buyers and, and buying prospects. Uh, so I'm excited that uh, you're on the move and the, the world's heading in that direction again. Yeah, yeah. No, thank you. Yeah, it's, uh, it's actually felt really good uh, to get back out there. And, uh, you know, I had a rep who said, hey, uh, I've got a couple of big prospects. I want to line up meetings. And before they even finished the sentence, I was like, yes, flight is booked. <laughs> uh, oh, you wanted to zoom? No, it's face to face. Now we are, we are going live. Um, so they're, they're emailing you like Chris. No. Yeah. Like Chris, are you going to be on the zoom link? And you're like knocking on their door. Yeah, like, exactly. no, I'm here. I'm here with lunch. If you want yeah. To I would normally ask a bunch of questions to determine like, is it really worth my time? Uh, and is this a real opportunity? I was like, no, let's go. Uh, let's 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 it. knock out the cobwebs here. Well, let's uh, let's get into you know what those meetings look like a little bit because you are the chief sales officer over at Compass. And for those who might not be familiar with Compass, can you just give us like a really quick rundown of what you're all about and uh, you know what you're focused on as a CSO? Yeah, so we are a real estate tech firm. Uh, you know, so what, what we do is. We provide uh, technology programs and support in a single platform for real estate agents uh, to empower them to, you know, really save time, provide a better experience for their their clients as well as grow their business. And that's that is singularly our core focus. So whatever we can do to make a real estate agent's life easier, uh, we will do it. Um, and so, as chief sales officer, what I do is I lead the growth team. Uh, nationally. Uh, and what we do is we uh, reach out to prospective agents, walk them through a sales cycle, and ultimately sign them up to, to join Compass. Well, and we, and we have to wish you congrats on an IPO earlier this year in March. So uh, our congrats uh, to you, you on that. And this is actually the second company that you've led towards a successful IPO, the first being Eventbrite. So what did you learn this time around? Um, anything surprise you that you didn't come across uh, last time? Um, I think, uh, you know, there's a lot of similarities where there's, you know, a lot of prep and anticipation for it. You know, I think with Eventbrite, uh, we were very open about it internally uh, and very maniacally focused a little, you know, on it. Uh, you know, in company meetings, it became a lot of part of what we did uh, was, was IPO. Uh, at Compass, we did a really nice job of, of not distracting the team with it. Uh, everyone knew that, hey, there was a possibility of it happening within a certain period of time. Everyone knew that, yes, the metrics that we're driving towards will eventually lead to this outcome. Uh, but what we didn't want to do is bog down the team with uh, having this extra stress of I have to achieve this in order to get uh, which I think worked really, really well, uh, which is really exciting. And, you know, the other piece that um, really, uh, I think, really differentiated was the amount of runway and space we have to continue to grow. As we were going through this and after you talking with investors and, and, and just you just learn more about your business and yourself as you go through one of these processes, yeah. it reaffirmed for me that, we're just barely scraping the surface of the potential of what we can do. 
which is incredibly exciting and invigorating versus getting to an IPO and then going, okay, what's next? Uh, or, okay, let's just maintain mode. And that's not at all what we're in. We're still in, you know, heavy growth mode. How do we continue to, you know, uh, you know, conquer the world and, you know, deliver a great service while doing it. That's so great. I love the perspective that you all took at Compass on that front. I think a lot of folks, especially if it's like their first time being at a company when they're going public, like that's the end game. Like everyone's just like working for that IPO, but actually there needs to be a mind shift where that's actually in many ways, the beginning, like you said, like you're entering, it's, it's just capital to keep the business growing and building to the, to that next step. What is the next evolution of the company? Um, So I think like being able to keep the employees, the team laser focus, like keep doing what you're doing. You were doing great. Keep doing that. Um, is highly, highly critical. Yeah, yeah. And on day of the uh, IPO, I, um, I called over 100 people. Uh, I just timed out in the day uh, to be able to call that many people but uh, that were on the team and thanked them, congratulated them. But then to your point, uh, also reinforced that message of, you know, everything that you've done has got us, gotten us to this point, but we're still at the beginning, right? We're, we're still in the first inning and and, uh, you know, that, that I think that was exciting for them. It was exciting to also to be able to make those calls. Like, it was just such an honor to uh, also have that conversation and share that moment with so many people. I'm curious, Chris. So in, I remember in the Eventbrite days, it was like, uh, it was Randy, C- CFO, business guy. And you would, you would constantly like, we're shooting for profitability. When we get profitability, we're going to go public. I remember I was in the stands. I remember seeing oh, yeah. today. I remember these moments. Uh, and then now, and then you said compass was like the opposite of that. I'm curious, like if you have a, if that's like your new philosophy, right? Like, so in 10 or a hundred years, whenever you leave compass, uh, and you're at a company that's, you know, projecting towards an IPO, do you think you'll kind of take the Eventbrite approach, the compass approach, or is it kind of just a, depends on the team, depends on where the company's at? Yeah, I think it's, it's hard for me to predict and say, you know, this is what I will do. Um, you know, I think I would probably err more on this side of the compass approach. And that's not to say that, you know, we weren't transparent. We were very transparent with our intentions. We're very transparent with the business metrics. Um, but we didn't apply this additional pressure of we must in order to, uh, we built a plan and executed to it. And we knew if we did that, then the outcomes would, would, you know, we would get there. And so, um, I would probably err up more on the side of compass, and allow the team the space to breathe and operate, make the decisions freely to do what they believe is the right thing for the business uh, and the long-term health of the business versus a short-term goal to achieve and this lingering IPO thing looming over their head. Gotcha. Makes sense. Well, hey, you're already talking about it. You're talking about planning. Mm. uh, And that's exactly what we brought you on the show to talk about. So... I know that you have a pretty specific uh, philosophy, right? some, some techniques that you use when planning the back half of a year. Uh, I don't yeah. know if that's the same for the first six months, you can tell me. But uh, to get us started, what are the core pillars that you focus on when you begin planning? And do you have like a framework that you can share? Yeah, I, um, well, you know, I can, I can talk through it. I'm not sure if it's a, it's, a, it's a core framework, but I do have a sequence of things that I do. I think first and foremost, uh, before I ever get to a planning process, every single new hire, every single leader, and we you know, constantly communicate this is uh, we are a flexible organization and you have to be ready for change and you have to be adaptable. Uh, 
which can be tough for a salesperson. I fully recognize it can be tough for any individual. Uh, and, you know, salesperson, you have a quota, you have a pipeline, you feed your family on it. Um, and uh, changing that and having massive swings can be very difficult. And so, you know, we, we specifically plan in a six month cycle at the company level, we'll plan, you know, annual cycles and we have, you know, multi-year goals. When we, when we roll out something to our team, the growth team, we'll roll it out in a six month plan. And, and really the reason being is the market changes way too fast, right? You know, if, if, if we're doing the same thing now as we were at the beginning of the year, that just means we haven't adapted to what's happening right now and we're probably doing it wrong now. Right. So, you know, we have to be able to be adaptable to the business need. So, you know, that, that becomes critical is that we have a team that's flexible and understands. This is not to say that we swing the team back and forth wildly and, you know, completely disrupt their uh, pipelines and then suddenly everyone's starting from scratch. Uh, we build in what we call as holdover periods. So in the plan, we will build over a time period for people to run through the current pipeline and finish that out while they're building up whatever the new focus may be. Uh, the new focus may be a new market. It may be a new customer base, a new product line, whatever it is. And so we, we give the runway. Uh, and that works really well and people can get behind that. Whenever we go into a planning process, the first thing that I'm always asking is, okay, what do we need next year? And, you know, ultimately, what were we trying to achieve? Because really, a lot of the decisions that we're making right now, uh, especially at a halfway point, uh, are all going to impact us next year. Uh, so if I, if I need, you know, whatever number I need next year, I know I'm going to have to hire a certain amount of people now because of the time it takes to onboard, you know, get them hired, get them onboarded, get them ramped. Uh, and then we have that full productivity. So, you know, we're planning for that. I'm also trying to understand what, uh, from, from our financial metrics, what do we need to be able to achieve? And then mapping to, which gets lost a lot, is what is the reality of the team we have and what is the reality of the market? Uh, so based on these financial metrics, what moves or initiatives or things that we have to drive? And then will the current team and the current market be able to bear that? Uh, so a lot of times, uh, if you just get in, a lot of companies will get into just maniacally focused on these are the metrics we have to achieve and completely lose sight of the customer. What we're doing here is we're, we're building for the customer. We're creating and delivering a service for the customer. Uh, and the customer knows nothing of our internal performance metrics that we need to achieve that we apply to ourselves. And so there's a, there's a balance of... Um, how do we solve for both of those components? And so we'll generally take two approaches. We'll take a tops down and a bottoms up approach. Uh, you know, there's, it's generally like you do a tops down or you just do a bottoms up. We will actually run both. And we will ask, what do we need to achieve? What do we need to do next year? What are the steps we need to do to get there? Okay, in order to, for that, here's the bottoms up approach. All right, now let's all sit down together finance, operations, you know, growth, like, you know, every, you know, everyone, all the key constituents. And let's, let's decide, is this the right thing to do? Do we want to spend this level of money? Is this how we want it to, where are the puts and the takes? And, you know, there's, there's a lot that goes into it. It's a tremendous amount of work, but, you know, when we do it right, 
then we all have clarity of why we're doing it. We all have clarity in how we're going to do it. And then we all have belief in the metrics of what we, we can go to achieve. And then that makes the delivery to the sales team incredibly easy because I am not going to deliver a single thing to the sales team unless I can clearly articulate why, why this is important and why it's important to both uh, the company, uh, the individuals, so the sellers and the customers. If I can't explain those three things, we probably should not be doing it. Uh, and we should think of like, what is the, the different way or uh, of getting to the final metrics that we want. Chris is focused on spot checking the present so he can better plan for the future. He'll ask questions like, is the current team equipped for what we want to achieve? And then dig into the data to find the answer. This aligns with a study from McKinsey and Company where they surveyed 2,500 B2B companies and found that 72% of the outperforming companies were using analytics and data to improve their sales planning. These companies used data to find key market trends, what was happening in each of their deals, and what was creating the best sales opportunities, all with the goal of ensuring their future sales strategies were still grounded in reality. Knowing the data lets you communicate the why and the how of your sales strategy to your team. It also helps teams adapt to change and be flexible because they know the reason behind those changes. In some of your description, a lot of like the complexity around planning came through, right? Like there are so many teams involved. You're doing this yeah. not just for what this year looks like, but what does next year look like? Mm -hmm. um, there, there are a lot of moving pieces, even with the change in the market. What aspects are most commonly overlooked when you do this type of near-term planning? The customer. 100% mm -hmm. the customer gets overlooked. Uh, and uh, what the market can bear in this current moment. Uh, you know, we all join tech companies because we are building something bigger and greater for a need that is there. We believe we are fundamentally changing uh, an industry or, uh, you know, whatever it may be, a way that people operate, right? Gong, you guys have changed the way sellers coach themselves and, you know, course correct through the way. Um, however, when we get into these planning cycles and these complexities, like I'm dealing with analysts and dealing with finance folks, and where you get into the math and the weeds of it, you suddenly lose sight of actually what we're trying to accomplish. And so I work really hard when we're looking at any of this to understand, okay, how does this impact the customer? How does this impact the companies? How does this impact the individual? And, you know, we can't always say a positive thing for all three. Sometimes we have to make the trade-offs, right? But we always have to bring that lens in of how possible is this? You might have touched on it, Chris, which is like you have this big, you have the big ideas, like your three whys, right? Uh, team, company, client. And then you get into the weeds of it. And uh, you, you know me, I don't math. I, I get confused very quickly with math. And I think, uh, as you said, you get in the weeds. Is that the primary reason teams lose sight of the customer? Or is there maybe like another factor or something else in play that kind of prevents teams from keeping the customer first during this planning period? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a high stakes moment, right? I'm, I'm making decisions that are going to impact the way sellers build their pipeline and potentially make commissions. Uh, and uh, I'm making decisions that are going to impact uh, how competitors respond to us. Uh, we're making decisions that are going to impact our ability to achieve the company metrics to hit longer term goals that we want to achieve. 
And so it's a very high stakes moment uh, in any type of planning process. So you have to be analytical, you have to be detail oriented, and you have to be grounded in the customer and the market. Like that's my role as the, the sales leader and the face to the market. My role is to bring the reality of the market and the customer and the prospect. Uh, and it's finance's role to say, these are the binary metrics we must hit. Then it's everyone's, you know, it's operations role to say, this is what's going to take to support this. Um, it's great that the sales team wants to go do that, but, oh, hey, guys, what about us? We have to support this. Um, and then it's the role of all of us to actually sit down, put our egos to the side and come with a plan that's, that's achievable, that's aggressive and something that, 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 you know, we don't lose sight of the customer on. I like it. I like it. And you, you mentioned, you know, keeping the sales team in mind, right? That how they're going to build pipeline, how they're going to make money. When you're planning major changes, like training, new product rollouts, maybe territories, that sort of thing. How do you prepare your team of 100 plus sellers and all those supporting go-to-market teams? Yeah. Uh, I don't think there's any silver bullet way, right? But usually, you know, before the half turns, um, I already have a very good idea of what uh, we need to do for the second half. And if there's going to be a shift, uh, how do I effectively get the team in the direction we need them to go in the short term? And then how do I start planning about what we're going to need for the back half of the half? So Q4 in this case, right? Um, so here, here's what I did in this current term. We knew we were going to have to shift our focus to a different type of customer uh, in a different part of the prospect base. Uh, in order for us to, to hit specific milestones we, we want to achieve. And this is a great thing for the business because it catapults us and our ability to support agents um, in the way that we want. It enables us to, uh, you know, maximize efficiency within the business. And there's a great market for sellers to go after. So it's, like, it's this great moment. So what I did in June was I ran a spiff. And I ran a spiff that was very specific to the second half plan before delivering the second half plan. So I had the entire, and it was a very rich spiff. So we had the entire team now suddenly going, oh, okay, I'm going to go shift over here because I want to go earn some money in the last month of the quarter after just, you know, we're coming out of the pandemic. So like, you know, it's, it's, it's a great moment. So now we're running into the second half. Everyone's got this pipeline already built towards the second half without knowing it. And we're, we're rolling out delivering the plan uh, in a couple days here. Uh, and when we do, everyone will see that kind of like, oh, it, the, the dots will click. They'll go, okay, you actually prepared us for this. Um, you know, and so, so that's, that's uh, one piece. You know, the other piece is I pull my leaders in early and often and make sure that they're aware of how I'm thinking about it, the puts and the takes. I'm pretty transparent there uh, and help start preparing them to start preparing their teams uh, for what's about to come and how to think about the second half and what we need to do. So people, no, no one's coming in to the plan surprised. If they are, they weren't listening uh, for, you know, during the month of June and weren't paying attention. So, you know, we don't want any of this to be a surprise. And then we just want people to understand that, that how, what's the path? How do I make my money? All right, let's go. One of those signals uh, is probably like, wait, there's a spiff? 
that's when you're like, oh, my man, that's not good. We're all shifting to the left. <laughs> they all figured out, wait a second, his fifth's coming out. What, what, what are we trying to, to do? Um, yeah. But, you know, it's, uh, you know, hey, like, you know, if, if I can reward folks for making the shift and, and, and pushing, I'm, I'm going to do it every time and, you know, create those moments. Well, spiffs are usually used for like, I don't know. I mean, maybe just in my experience, I feel like kind of like motivation or like team morale, right? It's like, you know, things are good or great. And uh, let's see if we can do more, right? Like who can who can dunk on 11 foot hoop? I don't know. Let's find out. Basketball yeah. uh, hoops are usually 10 feet for anyone who's uncertain about that one. Thanks um, for clarifying, Dan. You're welcome. Sheena, it wasn't just for you. Because I'm <laughs> game, but some people might be like, I don't understand why you said that. But it's interesting to hear how you can use a spiff strategically, right? To kind of pre, you know, uh, kind of warm up or, or, or get people rolling in that direction. So that's interesting to me. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of like getting them out of their comfort zone to try something different that maybe the company or the business wants to try out. Yeah. Kind of see it in that way too. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and we explain, here's the spiff and here's why we're doing it. Here's why we need it. Any, anything new that we roll out has to have a very strong why. And, you know, we have a very high performing team that once they connect the why, they understand and, and they'll run at it. So we talked about change, like change in the plan. So, you know, think like when you were planning for 2021, you had an annual plan in mm -hmm. place. Like there was you know, some goals, things that you were driving towards. Yeah. Then something shifted. You had this new shift on this new prospect base. Mm -hmm. What warrants a change in the plan? Um, like, are there certain criteria? Like, when is it okay to change the plan? Um, is it something that's like just subjective and, and based on your gut, you think that we need to evolve something? So like, what are those like criteria for when it's okay to change? Yeah, I think um, it's hard to say that this is the criteria. You know, one of the things we look at is, you know, our industry, we're very, you know, it's, uh, you know, we're many times beholden to the real estate market. Um, and that, that, dictate a lot of our, our company metrics. Uh, it doesn't necessarily dictate our sales, our growth metrics, because we can adjust and adapt and accelerate or decelerate based on how the market's operating to have a, a, a very strong command and control over our growth rates. Um, but, you know, this this year, as an example, the real estate market is, is wild. Uh, it is a very competitive environment. So if anyone's out and tried to by their home or, you know, Devin, probably your second or third home, you've probably realized uh, it's very competitive uh, and, you know, you have to pay well over asking. So that, that impacts us and how we think about where we need to focus our time. And, you know, one thing I would add is um, I think it's irresponsible of a business not to change the plan and not mm -hmm. to shift. The world moves way too fast. Everything that we thought would happen in 21 uh, in, in, in November of 2020, uh, there's no way for us to be able to predict it. We're making our best guess. And once you get new information, you, you should act on it. And it'd be irresponsible not to act on it. Another thing that you know, I, would, I would hit on is you know, when I'm looking at the long-term plan, so what do we need to achieve in the long term? What are the kind of big bucket item things that we're going to have to do in order to get there? And what I'll look at in the, in the context when I say, you know, what can the team bear? What's the current skill set of the team? I'm setting training plans in place now 
and coaching plans in place now to prepare the team for what we need to be accomplishing in 22 in this current example, uh, or even 23, depending on how big of an initiative it may need to be. So then when 22 happens and we get to that moment, we don't have a team that's flat-footed and not ready uh, for, for the moment and not ready to just dive in and, and jump in. And so a lot of what I'm doing is understanding what are the skill sets that are going to be required in order for us to do that, uh, whatever that thing is. And, you know, we're, we've all been in many sales organizations and many different sales models, and we know there's, you know, someone who's phenomenal at a transactional model may not be great at a relationship building enterprise model or vice versa. And so what's going to be required to be successful? What is our model? And what do we need to adjust and change and adapt to be able to get there? And do we even need to spin off, you know, separate motions, you know, which, which we've done uh, and, and created, you know, multiple teams or, you know, whatever it may be. Yeah, that really pulls in the human side of planning where it's not just like numbers. You're not just looking at like numbers of people, but what are the skills? How can I help you? How can I grow who I have there in place today? Or what am I looking for in that next hire? Um, that's such a vital part of kind of looking at the more um, qualitative side of planning. Yeah, absolutely. You know, how can I help every individual grow in themselves and their career and their skill sets? And how do we do that in a way that helps us achieve you know, the ultimate company goals and drive success for everyone? I imagine as someone who's been ahead of sales uh, for many moons, but not too many moons where you're gray, you look great, that you have surely learn something every time you do the six month planning, right? You, you learn something new, whether the hard way or the easy way. I'm curious if you can share, like, what did you learn in the front half of this year? Was there something that you learned from that financial planning? You know, every time I roll out a plan, I always have this grand vision of how it will go and how people will receive it. Uh, and perfectly smoothly without a flaw. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's going to love it. Everyone's going to like fully get it and it's going to fully connect you know, I think, you know, w one big lesson that I had, I can't remember how many moons ago to your question uh, that I've implemented, which is, you know, we have a big national rollout plan. We always want then the, the local teams and the local leaders uh, and the frontline leaders to then have a fast follow-up, uh, which is either the very next moment or the next day after people have had time to digest. And they have their kickoff and they they actually review a lot of what we did in the national and then connect it to specifically their team and then connect it specifically to the individuals. So whenever we do a rollout, uh, it's not a big rah, rah, everything's amazing. I get off of, you know, now the Zoom, uh, you know, uh, you know, excited and feeling great because I feel like I did a great presentation. Uh, I'm immediately uh calling every single local leader. How do you think it went? What was the chatter? What do we need to clean up? In next week's meeting in our you know, national call, what do we need to reinforce? And so everyone's coming with that. So it's not just a single point in time. It's really, it's a, a broader strategy of, of how do we do it nationally? Then how do we bring it down to each individual team? Then how do we bring it down to each individual? And then a week later, you know, what do we need to clean up? Uh, what, you know, where, what did I, where did I mess up? Uh, and what do I need to clarify, uh, or adjust? Um, and so it's, it's never just a moment in time, uh, type of thing. 
All right, Chris. So we ask every single one of our guests that joins us on the show the same question. So we'll ask you the same, which is how would you describe sales in one word? One word. Ideally. You know, one one that just immediately came to mind without me trying to edit or filter it, I guess, uh, would be dynamic. Uh, you know, because um, when when you're when you're prospecting, you you have to be open and dynamic to what you've learned to adjust your approach. When you're in a prospect conversation, if you try and run it through a script. Uh, or run a black and white decision tree of if they said this, so then this, uh, you're not going to be as successful as you can be. You have to be dynamic within the conversation. So you have to actively listen. You have to understand what's happening and, and you know, map those connections. And then, you know, for people like me who like to change the plan once every six months, uh, you, you also have to be dynamic <laughs> your ability to, to manage your business, right? Um, and so that just, you know, being in this 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 podcast today, that, that was the very first word that that came to mind. So I, I figured I should I should be true to the first thing that came to mind versus trying to give the answer that what, what you know will make me sound smart. That, okay, the, the gut answer made you sound smart. Oh, Obviously, thank you, but... thank you. Exactly. <laughs> I think you should add dynamic to any job rec that you put up for your team. You want to make sure that all your future sellers that join your team are dynamic. That's such a that's such a great point. You know, I, um, you know, it's always funny when I'm when I'm interviewing folks and they, you know, they put words like that in their tagline. Uh, you know, whatever it may be. You know, all those just. Words like uh, world class, best in class, dynamic. You know the, those different pieces. It's dangerous because I'll 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 latch onto it and I'll ask, okay, give me a situation yeah. where you were dynamic uh, and how. And you know, so many people get caught flat-footed where you know it just goes to, okay, you know, this is potentially the type of seller there. Yeah, I was going to say maybe in your interview you could ask people how would you define dynamic in one word. And see if they have it. I like yours better. Yours is yours is tougher. Yours is like give me an example, or I'm like, oh, I didn't. They know you read my cover letter. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> uh, fantastic, Chris. Always a pleasure, man. Thank you so much for hanging out with Reveal. Uh, as you might have seen me, I was typing a bunch of notes down. A lot of great takeaways for our audience. So just want to say thank you. No, thank you for having me. It was a pleasure being on. So much fun. Thanks, Chris. All right. Thank you both. Chris discussed how important clarity and transparency are for sales teams, especially in stages of rapid change. He said it's important for his reps to understand the why of their role from a fundamental level to metrics level. This week, think of how you can best communicate the why of your sales strategy to your reps. This can include telling them why they're doing what they're doing, how doing it drives the business forward, and why is each sales metric in place. Communicating these with your team will help create more transparency and buy-in across your team. It'll also make adjustments to roles, metrics, etc., easier to approach because they'll understand how it's helping grow the business. Did you like today's episode? Subscribe now so next week's episode will be waiting for you on Monday. And if you really like the podcast, please leave a review. Five-star reviews go a long way to help get the word out there. And if you're not ready to give a five, check out another episode and see if we've won you over by then.